0: Good morning, my name is Laura Young, and actually this week marks exactly five years since we've been at Mansfield Bible Church. (laughs) 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 Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. and death shall be no more. Sorry. Neither thou shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Give us just a minute here to get set up. Isn't that great to hear God's word? I mean, there's truths in his word that just impact us whether we're ready for it or not, you know? And when the spirit moves and he moves within our hearts, and he reminds us of our hope, and he reminds us of our, our, our confident expectation of what he has promised to come, up, come to pass. It moves your heart. You're reminded. <laughs> Usually you have to disconnect the cord from you before you walk away. <laughs> Twice? That's awesome. Yeah, last Sunday in the first service, Matt, uh, we, were, we were having this really good spiritual moment and song and got led and... We were praying and he was moving a table. And next thing you know, the table was all over the place. And so that's why he's going twice. So we, he, he's going to quit moving stuff at some point, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so as I was saying, <laughs> it's amazing how God's word just moves us. And it reminds us of our hope. And it reminds us of our confident expectation and all that God has... Promised to do and that he will do and to him be the glory and the praise and we always need to take time to, re- to remember him and to honor him this morning one of the things that we're continuing to do is keep our theme of come thou long expected Jesus uh, a couple of weeks ago we started doing some with some videos we just caught people out in the lobby and asked them different questions so this is our third week of doing that so if we can let's go ahead and play that video
0: I think the best way for us to prepare is to live our lives for Him and to glorify Him in all that we do uh, each and every day. We could pray, we could worship. We read the Bible and um, we just have faith that He will come back. I prepare by um, really just coming together as a family and um, making sure that we remember what's important during the Christmas season. With our kids and with our um, extended family and with our church family and small group, praying, Mm. obeying His word. You know, firstly you have to repent. You know, there's no way going into heaven without repenting. Uh, So first is you got to get that first step in, and then second step would be learning how to be a Christian. You know, and that's just reading the Bible, um, and you know however long it takes. You know, everyone takes their own route, but. It's just repenting and reading the Bible. For sure, the, the, the thing that I know the Lord wants us to do right now is just the urgency of the gospel and sharing the gospel with our friends and neighbors. And especially in a time that we're living in like COVID where people are um, experiencing so much stress and um, hurt, uh, I think that's a great opportunity for us to share.
1: Amen. Those have been a lot of fun to see everybody's uh, different thoughts on things. So it's been kind of enjoyable. You notice when you came in, your seat was a card that looks like this. Just ask that if you go out this week to find somebody and give them that card. Invite them to our Christmas Eve service. I'm looking forward to it as we continue this uh, theme that we've had of come thou long expected Jesus. Come. Jesus, come. May it be today. So May, May 13th was a very important day to me in my life Um, uh, on that day it was a Friday actually of all the things right you know but uh, May 13th was something I had that day was something I had been working towards for five years I was graduating from college on that day and what was amazing about it you're going five years well about in the middle of that my second year my sophomore year I had met Lydia our first year of college, we ended up getting married our second year of college, so I took a lighter load, which threw me into the five-year program. And so it was a lot of work, and and as we began to, as I began to work towards that, and that graduation, and Lydia and I got married, and we were living in the the dorms on campus, and uh, it was in our last year, Lydia became pregnant with our first child. Uh, Scotty was our first, and love him to death. And I remember when we looked at the due date, the due date was exactly May 13th, the day of graduation. So there was all the anticipation. So we began nine months of praying, God, may he come two weeks early or two weeks late, but not on the day, right? And so God always has a sense of humor when he's challenging our faith and our trust and the way that we follow after him. And so we're getting closer and closer and about five days out from graduation, Lydia goes into labor, and we run to the hospital really quick. And I'm, we're all excited, and I'm thanking God that He's coming before graduation. We get to the hospital, and we're talking to the, the nurses, are looking at Lydia, and then they finally come in and break our hearts. And we did not know there was such a thing as false labor, you know. Oh, and so we did the same thing the next day, and I think the next day, and you know, because we're like, where it's our first, and we're like, we, we're wanting this baby to come, you know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you you have a deadline, This has to come by this time, but it doesn't work that way, no matter how hard you try, and so <clears throat> here comes the day of, and early that morning, Liddy went into labor, we took her off to the hospital, graduation was that night, about seven o'clock, and Scotty came into the world, and I got to hold him for the first time that, that afternoon. It was about 1.20, I think, something like that, if I remember right. Got to hold him, and, and we kind of get all settled, and it was a little bit, a couple hours before graduation, and I was already, you know, settled on, I'm not going to make it to graduation. And Lydia looked at me and said, go. You've been working for this, go. And I remember... I remember going okay. <laughs> she had nurses. She goes, "I have." Everything. I think she just wanted me out of the room, to be honest with you. But um, I went off to graduation, and I was all excited. And I remember as they were calling people up, it's kind of a solemn event, you know. There's you're you're calling up, and the academic dean shook our hand, handed us our diploma, take a quick picture, and you move on off. All that work for you know 15 seconds it seemed like. And I remember as I came up and shook his hand and. Started to go past him. The president of the college reached out and grabbed me and pulled me over. And he announced that we had our first child right there. And the place come came came unglued. And I got to do the little, you know, and all the little, if, if I could dance, I would have. But I do not have timing. And so it was just a great moment. And I always remember that day was the consummation of several things in our life that came to that day. And there was great anticipation. There was lots of prayers of Lots of ups and downs in the journey to reach that point. And as I began to think about what we've been discussing over the last couple weeks and, and today and then on Christmas Eve with our theme of come thou long expected Jesus. That part of our hope or the majority of our hope is the fact that there is a consummation of all things. There is a day when Jesus will come and it will be done. Amen? We look to that day. It's our hope. It's our confident expectation. And so we've been looking at God's plan um, throughout the ages is what we've been doing, if you look at it. And we started a couple weeks ago. We went back to the garden. In the garden, we took a look at Adam and Eve before sin entered into the world. We saw that God created Adam and Eve. He created humanity to have a personal relationship with him without sin in righteousness In holiness, that was God's intent. So many times we look at the world today and we think this is what God planned, but no, God's plan was there was a permanent home for humanity and it was to be with him and it was to be in righteousness. And in my Bible next to that in Genesis chapter three, I write the word devastation because sin entered in the world that day, sin and death. I know we don't like talking about it, but dear people of God, without Without the reality of the fall, why do we need Jesus? We have to understand that. And the reality is that in that day when they ate of that fruit, there was a righteous consequence that took place. There was a righteous judgment that came down. And the consequence was death, sin and death. I have met a lot of people in my life. I've never met one who has conquered death. I've never seen anybody overcome death. When we think that we can look within ourselves to accomplish the things of righteousness or accomplish our way, you can't overcome death. And the reality is death created a bondage. We moved from from a a home where we were going to be with God in righteousness and holiness, and we entered into the domain of darkness of sin and death. And that's the picture in which the scriptures draw, where, where Paul talked about being delivered from the domain of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of our, God's dear son. And there's this picture that goes on. And so in that moment, they began to become a state of, of consequence of the sin of their, of their actions. And as a result of that, I wrote in my Bible, Genesis 3.15, I write out to the next of my Bible there, the word hope. Because in that verse, it talks about the seed of the woman would, would be bruised by the our adversary, but he would crush his head. There's been, I saw this week, and I know a couple of you, I don't even remember who it was, a, a picture, and it's a picture of of Eve and Mary. And, and Mary's carrying the baby Jesus, and Eve has her hand, and there's a lot of symbolism in there, but the one that I got kind of excited about was at the, at the feet, there was a serpent wrapped his... Leg around, or the snake wrapped around Eve's leg, and then under Mary's foot, his head was crushed and he's turned over dead because our victory has come in through Christ. And God promised that way back in Genesis 13. Redemption was began, God's plan of redemption began, and, and, and it was carried out through the ages. Every time there was a birth, there was more grace given, there was more hope looking forward to, and God talked to Abraham and he called him out and he sent him into a land and his promise of blessing through all the nations would come through him. It would come through his son, Isaac, and God carried out this line and he talked about one, a Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, who would come and he would conquer death, and he would conquer, uh, do away with sin. He would set his people free. And everyone that was looking for the coming Messiah was looking in hope. They were living by faith, and faith in Christ. And the reality is, whether you're believing that Christ is coming, or you believe that he has come and will come again, it's the same faith, isn't it? It's believing in what God has intended, and what he's doing, and our deliverance is coming through his son. And we looked last week, we looked in Luke chapter 2, and we see the baby Jesus come onto the scene, and we see Mary and Joseph, he's 41 days old, and he enters into the temple, and Simeon, a righteous and devout man, takes Jesus into his arms, and he begins to praise God, because now his eyes have seen God's salvation, just as God promised to send his salvation. Simeon is praising him because he has sent his salvation. Here he is, holding this, this little baby, 41 years old, 41 days old, not 41. 41 days. And there's our hope, a revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of Israel. And, and Simeon, looking to Mary, tells her that by him would be the rise and the fall of many. That this little baby will, will, will reveal the thoughts of humanity. And he did. He, he did. We looked at when he was before the council and they asked him, are you the Christ? And when he said, yes, I am, the, the high priest rips off his robe. And he, and he says, what more do you need than this blasphemy? What does he deserve? And they yelled death. Or when he said to the paralytic as he was lowered down, your sins are forgiven," And they said, only God can forgive sins. And when he claimed equality with God, they picked up stones to stone him. Do you think they understood what he was saying? Or do you think that they really were revealing their own thoughts and lack of belief? They wanted, they wanted the Messiah to come, but they wanted him to come on their own terms. They wanted him to come to dominate Rome to set up a kingdom, him coming as as a peasant, as a poor, and delivering as a suffering servant to deliver his people from sins. They didn't see that. They wanted one who would take care of him. Remember when he fed the 5,000 and they were following him? And he says, you follow me because your stomachs are full. But the words that I speak to you are spiritual. They're life. And and if you're going to live spiritually, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And he told them, he said, man, I'm talking spiritually, but it was too hard and they walked away because they wanted their stomachs full. They weren't wanting one who would deliver them from their sins. And many times people today will reject Christ because they want the easy life. And it's not what you came for is to deliver everything, to make it all easy, He came to set us free and we're looking off to that day, that day of consummation when he would make all things new. That is, our, that is our hope. And so, <clears throat> and so when we begin to, to look at last week, we've ended when we looked at it, where they're standing there and Jesus is taken up into the heavens before them and, and then there's two men standing in, in uh, white robes say to them, why are you looking up? Just as he left, he will come again. And we as believers who believe that Jesus came are looking for him to come again. That's our hope. That's our confident expectation. And so that looking at and thinking about his return, I've been thinking about things like, like what does that look like when we say, come thou long expected Jesus? What does that look like? What does it look like for us? So many times we judge God in the presence, don't we? We look around and we see these things and and we judge God in in the middle of it. But it's really that faith that leads us to a confident expectation, Faith leads us to the understanding. And so many times we judge him based on what we see. A few years, when I was a little kid, I was gonna say a few years ago, it's been quite a few years ago, I was fishing with my dad. I love to fish with my dad. I grew up in Colorado. Spent a lot of times fishing rivers up there with my dad. And I can remember one particular time I was fishing and we were on the river up in the mountains and my dad was down the river. My dad always was down the river. So if I fell in, he could pick me up when I floated by kind of thing. And I can, always, I can remember one time I was out there and I was in my waders and I was out the river fishing and I looked down and I see something shiny and I pulled it up. It looked like a little piece of gold nugget. And I was all excited, you know, and I stuck it in my pocket and fishing. I see another one. I, wow, this is great. And I'm sticking it in my pocket. I'm all excited. I'm thinking I'm gonna have the biggest catch of the day, you know. And a little while later, I went down and showed my dad. I pulled him out. Look, Dad, look what I found. I thought I, I, thought I found gold. And my dad kind of chuckled. And he goes, son, we call that fool's gold gold because it's not real gold. But it sure fools you into thinking you're gold. And I was like, yeah, I did. And I think a lot of times when we look at sin and righteousness and holiness, we, we kind of do the same thing. We look around and we go, wow, that doesn't seem so bad. Even though I know God says in his word certain things about truths and and life and practices, what is right and what is wrong, what is just and what is unjust, we have a tendency to look around and go, well, you know, God, I don't think that's so bad. Why? Because we're looking at it like fool's go. We've never seen holiness. We've never seen righteousness. I've never met someone who was pure and righteous like Christ was, like God is. And so what we do is we bring things down to what we know and what we understand. And we begin to evaluate and we go, well, that doesn't seem so bad. Why? Because we really don't understand righteousness. Just as a little kid, when I picked up that gold, it looked like gold for sure, but it was fool's gold. And sometimes we look around and we say, that doesn't seem so bad. And we think we're right, but just because we don't know what holiness is. And our God's a holy God. And the consequences in which we we fell into iniquity and the the bondage that it brings of sin and death, we don't understand. And so we we try to bring down the standard because that's all we know. And the reality is it doesn't change who God is. And the standard doesn't change of holiness and righteousness. And we need a deliverer. We need to walk out by faith and trusting him and just as they were looking to Jesus and we believe that Jesus came and he died and he rose again and he lives and because he lives, we live and we're looking for the righteousness of our God and the coming and the consummation of all things in Christ. We believe that and we walk by faith and that faith gives us a confident expectation that God will will do what he said he would do. It keeps our focus on him. Just like those who went before us. Like Abel when he brought a righteous sacrifice. Or I think of Enoch, Enoch's my Bible hero. I always amazed about Enoch because it says about him that he walked with God for 300 years and then he was not for he had been taken up. And I always think, man, if he could walk with God for 300 years, can I do it for 80, you know? I mean, how, I mean, he did it 300 years. That's gotta be incredible. The other thing that amazes me about Enoch is it says that he walked with God for 300 years, but he was like 365 when he got, took it up. And I remember going and looking at the scriptures going, well, what was the change? You know what the change was? His first son was born. And I remember the day I carried my firstborn. It, it impacts your heart. It really does. And so you think of Enoch. Enoch, said of Enoch where it said right after introducing him that he was a man of faith, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God or to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must what? Believe that he is, that he is God. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when you're looking at your life and you're walking in faith and you're looking and expecting in the consummation of all things, you believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Do not grow weary in your faith, dear people of God. Do not grow weary in your walk. Do not get distracted by the world. You keep your focus set on him just as as we believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently diligently seek him. We can think of of Noah or Abraham, Abraham who was sent out into a land and it says of him, he was looking forward to a city that has its foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I think that's incredible that he went out and he wasn't just looking for any city. He wasn't just looking for a nice green spot next to the river. He went out looking for the city whose builder and maker was God. Talk about faith. Talk about faith. In that great chapter of faith that we call in Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16, says, says this, these all died in faith, and it's referring to those names I just mentioned. These all died in faith, not having received faith, The things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Think about that. How do you view the earth? Are you comfortable? Is this all there is? It amazes me how many people think this is all there is about life. And their focus is so there. And I'm like, man, when I look around, I see a lot of hurt see a lot of pain. I do things that I really don't like to do and wish I didn't do. I wish I didn't always kind of say the first thought that came to my mind. I wish that I didn't always kind of react quickly like I'm one of those, you know, boom. I can just, real quickly, I get really excited too. I wish I wasn't that way, but this isn't the place where I'm looking for. And it's by faith that you believe those things that were promised, these who had gone before us, they hadn't received those things yet. And it says, for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Are you seeking a homeland? Or is your whole life built on maybe your job and and climbing the ladder, or maybe what you attain, or the, the, the things that you possess, or maybe you're just working and all you're thinking about someday is retirement? That's how you're evaluating your life. Where's your homeland, dear people? What's your homeland? Our homeland is not here. It's a city whereby God is the founder and the builder. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. They could have returned to that land. They could have returned and stayed here and made it all about this. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen? He has prepared for them a city. And we, like those who have gone before us, walk by faith, waiting for those new heavens and those new earth. Not just people of old, but people who have invested in my life in so many ways. Like Mr. Lankford or Dr. Talley. Men of faith who stood on the truth of God's word and were not afraid to teach me. Or can I think of my mom? Didn't have everything right, wasn't perfect, but by faith she raised me. Or my grandmother who took time out in her life to make sure I knew about Jesus when I didn't have many voices in my life. I can go on and on, men that are still alive today, men like Jerry who married us, who invested in me as a young man. I can go on and on and on, a people of faith who've gone before, people who are not looking for this world, but looking for a city whose maker and founder is God. It tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, it says, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new, for, the, for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. We are a people who are waiting for him. And that's when I walk into this chapter, chapter 21 of Revelation, and it reminds myself that this is a, the, the consummation of all things, and it's, it just drives in my heart, come, Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, looking forward to your coming and he says in verses one and two, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the, and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. There's, there's a picture of, of this being passed away. It's a new heaven, new earth. It's not, it's not a remake of this. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And he says, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of, from heaven and uh, from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's a picture whereby God had originally created our, a permanent home, but because of sin and death, it was devastated. And there was a path of consequence. And because it was transformed from what God intended by rebellion and by, by disobedience. But God had been working through salvation history to bring about things to make them all new that the total renewal of the evil consequences of our own iniquity would be done away with and he would make them new and He would set us free from the bondage of sin and death. Amen? Are you listening? Don't go to sleep. I know sometimes I'm boring, but don't go to sleep. Hear the truth that he will make all things new. The Greek word for new here means the idea of new and quality, fresh, rather than just new and recent in time, like a change, but it's completely new. And verse 3 tells us why the new heavens and the new earth are new above all else. It tells us in verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God for that. Why do you think so many times, if you're around me, you listen to me preach very often, you're gonna hear me talk about, we are the people of God, we are his people, we belong to him. Why is that so important? Because in reality, there's gonna come a day when he will be dwelling with us and he will be our God and we will be his people and we will be with him. I long for that day. I look for that day. And by faith I believe in that day. It will become a community of people who are loyal to, the, to God and loyal to Jesus. In contrast to the world and the community in which we live now. That is a world of our people of idolatry. Who seek their own way. Who seek their own things. And who reject him for their own self, self goals. Dear people of God, you don't approach a a God like the God we serve without humility. It's a contrite heart. It's a broken heart that comes, that learns from him. It's when we approach with him in humility that we begin to understand the, the, the intent and the purposes of his ways. We understand his grace. We understand his mercy. It's in those moments we begin to see the work and the plan of God that bring back intimacy that we once had before sin and death, that in the new heavens, and the new earth, there will be an intimacy that we'll have with our God that is absolutely, hear me, absolutely impossible in a world with sin and death. You're not going to accomplish it. You can tell me all you want about the divine from being within. It's a lie of our adversary. It's God who delivers us, and it's God who saves us. As hard as you want to try, as hard as you want to believe, you will not accomplish it through yourself because you're in bondage. We live in a world that wants the freedom to do as they please, and the reality is as we do as we please, we find ourselves growing more and more and more into the bondage of the things that we seek. But it's God who sets us free through his son, Jesus Christ. It's by his grace that we stand and we find his grace, his mercy, and his comfort. We don't find that through ourselves. It doesn't come that way. And the sooner that we as God's people understand that, believe that, and embrace that, we begin to understand the realities of what God is wanting to do in our world. Because anytime we start putting ourselves first, we begin to realize, and I know, man, I just said something that some of you are like, what? It's all supposed to be about us, right? I mean, the redemption story is all about us. The redemption story isn't about you. It's about the Almighty God who loved us and demonstrated that love. And because of his love, I have worth because of him. We've got to understand that. It's not something we accomplish or bring about. In eternity, it will be intimacy with him because of what he has done. Verse 4. I love the way Laura read it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be no neither shall there be mourning nor crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The beauty of why I I love the way Laura read that is because. In this phrase here that he wipes away the tear from their eyes, it's like a mother wiping away the tear of a child. When, when our Scotty was really little, I remember one time, um, it was, again, it was our first, and we're learning ways, and he was pretty young, and he had fallen and scraped his knee, and he had blood running down his leg, and he's coming over, and he, he's showing, and I'm like, it's okay, bud, go on, you'll be all right. And Liddy's like, oh, no, he's not, you know, wraps him up, starts cleaning that leg up. And he's kissing him on the forehead and wiping away his little tears. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have a hard time toughening these kid up, right? <laughs> Praise God he didn't do that to us, right? It's the same kind of idea that he's going to wipe away the tears. Do you hear what it says after that? And death will be no more. Amen. I don't know who said it. amen. We should have all said that. Let it be so. Let it be true. Death will be no more because the grave could not hold that baby Jesus. It couldn't keep him, it couldn't keep him, he conquered. And because he conquered, we we will live too. Those tears was a result of sin distorting the purposes of God for humanity. Those tears, these tears right here is a result of sin distorting the purposes of God for humanity. The reason that that we have pain, the reason that we have these things in the world, is because we have moved away from the intent of what God intended for us in the garden. And he's restoring those things and bringing them back through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's by faith that we receive those and embrace those into our lives Sin and death produced, produced these pain and this iniquity. And we live in a world that is crying for peace. We're living in a world that doesn't want any more pain. We live in a world that wants unity. We live in a world that wants equality, wants all of these things. And the reality is that humanity cannot bring them about. That's an amen, by the way. Amen. If you don't agree, you're probably not gonna say amen, right? So I'll say it again so you can say it. No. But it's the truth. Humanity can't make those things happen. They will only happen at the consummation of all things. And Christ will bring it about. That's why many times in scripture, it tells us to wait with patience. To wait with endurance. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in your faith. Don't become devoid in your faith because of the weight of this world and the pressures of this world. You look past them and you see Christ. He's our hope. He's our sustainer. He's the one that's gonna see us and complete all things to bring us into Christ that we would no longer be slaves of sin and death. Our hope is Jesus and Jesus alone. Look what he says in verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I love this, I am making all things new. I am making all things new, that God is bringing these things about in his history. That's why I know these weren't like Christmas sermons, right? But I wanted you to see from the beginning of time to the completion when Christ would come and bring all things to plan, that it's God who's making things new. And he's chosen to do it through his son, and by his son we will be delivered. And in the way that we receive him is by faith. There's nothing you did walking in these doors today. We're dropping something in the box back there. There's nothing you did to somehow make you acceptable in the kingdom. It's simply by faith, believing in his son. That's how you overcome the world, is by faith, by faith. Jesus said, I am making all things new. And he also said, write, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You can, you can, you can count on it. We used to, I'd say take it to the bank, but you can't trust banks all the time anymore, right? <laughs> you can count on it. You can count on it because Jesus said, this is trustworthy and true, verse six. And he said, <clears throat> excuse me, and he said to me, it is done. I love those words. It is done. I look for that day when he would say, It's all accomplished, it's over with. I know that it's already done, it's still being carried out in time, but that day when it's completed and the consummation of all things, that is my hope. And I long to hear those words. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, Alpha, Omega, the first and last letter in the Greek, uh, Greek alphabet, and all of it in between. I heard one scholar or read one scholar said that, that everything that you can think and all the ideas and the philosophies of men and all those things are in between those two letters. And Jesus is the beginning and the end. He answers those all. Whether we understand or not, he is who he is as God. That's why I love that phrase, I am that I am. When Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. He is who he is. And to those who thirst, he says, "To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment." It's a beautiful picture whereby God is offering the water of life without cost. He's, he's describing salvation. It's, it's the image of drinking at the spring of life. In fact, if he went over into chapter 22 of Revelations verse 17. It says this, the spirit and the bride, the bride being his people. He says the spirit and the bride say, come. Hear it? Come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Why do you think we have the ministry of reconciliation? Calling people to Christ Dear people of God, we need to be about the come. We need to call those around us to come. We take the ministry of reconciliation whereby humanity and God can be reconciled through his son, Jesus Christ. And all things become new. That he who knew no sin became sin that we might be made in the righteousness of God. And that's possible through faith. And the ministry of reconciliation has been entrusted to us his bride, his church. Oh, come, come. Verse seven, he says, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. It's a picture of of overcoming the one who conquers, the one who patiently waits, the one who walks by faith, the one who walks after him. The expression is that it gives this intimate relationship between God and his people. There's an intimate relationship. I long for that day when no no longer is it clouded by the darkness of this world, but that I walk in the presence of God with him. Verse eight, it goes on, it gives a warning. We don't like this verse, just so you know, but I need to rip the Band-Aid sometimes. Verse eight, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is second death. The word cowardly is the idea of those who are fearing persecution for their faith in Christ. Dear people of God, do not, do not give in to fear. They became faithless, and it's the idea of not, not having a steadfast endurance. They didn't wait patiently but actually they became devoid of faith. Detestable has the idea of vile. It's often used of idolatry. Sorcerers, practitioners of magic uh, arts of the day, Uh, sexually immoral, those who choose to take things outside in which God had intended. The idea of idolaters and all liars are those associated with idolatrous practices. They were involved in idolatry. Many of us sometimes fall into idolatry and don't even realize it. I remember I was pretty young in my faith and I was all excited about God and just really going after him and I got this brand new Jeep. I loved it and I hadn't owned it very long and there was just a little dent put in the, it was my own fault, but there was a dent put in there and I was crushed and I realized, wow, I was putting a lot of hope in this vehicle, right? We do that. We have other things that we become our gods. And then he says the last thing there, second death. What does he mean by second death? The picture is that the first first death is a physical one. We are gonna die. But the second death is a continued eternal separation from God. And the way that you overcome, the way you conquer is by faith. I know in Romans 8.25, it says, but if we hope." For what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. There's this idea that we would continue in faith and we would go on in faith and we would be faithful to to an obedient and, and trusting him in our daily lives. It's this continuation of walking after him. But if you don't believe... There is a consequence. Just as there was a consequence when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit and it brought about sin and death, and it just devastated the, what was going on and what God intended in the garden. It devastated and it created sin and brought sin, death into this world. And there's this consequence if you continue without belief, there's a consequence. I'm not trying to guilt you into heaven, I'm just telling you the realities. That if you don't have Christ, the consummation of all things is gonna be a consequence of a second death. And that's that's what God is warning us through the Apostle Paul as he reveals this. And so, as believers, we look for that and we long for this coming because that is our hope. But until then, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation and we're calling all those to come. We're calling the weak to stay in faith, don't grow weary. Because how do you overcome this world? And the Apostle John in 1 John 5 verses 4 and 5 tells us, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Who is it that has overcome the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I remember when I first came to Christ probably within the first year and started seeking after him and following him. And I was going through a time where I was like, God, how do I know I'm saved? You know, I was really just wanting a a card that I can show at the pearly gates and say, here, I'm saved. You know, I was wanting some kind of, some kind of, you know, a a way of knowing just facts, you know, like post it on my wall and go, hey, I'm in the kingdom, you know. And I remember I was going through that. I was working at a gas station at the time. But I'll date myself, but it was the day where, you know, we did full service. You remember any of y'all remember that? You go out and you check the tires. And I know some of you have never heard that before. But you check the fluids and put oil and all that. And I was standing there and there was a little window at the door. And I'd be looking out there and go, God, if I'm saved, let a, you know, psychedelic Volkswagen come through. And, you know, it would be a pink Cadillac, you know, one of those Avon Cadillacs back in the day. I don't know if they still have those or not. But and I was like, oh, you're thinking pink. Well, let it be a pink, you know, Chevette, you know, or something. I, don't, I just kept doing this for a little while and realized the foolishness of it. I remember going back home and my bedroom was upstairs and going up there. And, and I was just really struggling. I had this big plant with leaves. I always used to talk over spiritual things with it and my struggles. And it just kept dying, you know. I just I don't know how that happened, right? I remember that night I was thinking through and I was reading about the young rich ruler and what God had said to it and he just walked away and I was like, well, gosh, if he couldn't be saved, how could I? And I remember just as God enlightening me by his spirit, making truth come come alive, I remember thinking, God, I'm just trusting you to do what you said you would do. I'm just believing that you'll do what you promised. And I remember, as I realized that, going, well, I believe this, and I remember sitting there, going, okay, well, God, if I die and I go to hell, then it's your fault. I'm like, oh my goodness. But the reality is, I don't have to worry about that because He is faithful to do what He promised. What? How do you overcome the world? By faith. By faith. How do, you, how do you overcome the world by faith? It's with a humble and contrite heart that God seeks. He seeks that. Is your heart humble today? Do you know Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning, you're a dear Christian, you've been a believer for a while, but you've kind of just gotten in your way. You just started doing things your way and you've kind of moved away from faith. Maybe God didn't answer a prayer Maybe some things have been going wrong in your family and you just think God doesn't care. Don't let our adversary deceive you. Come, Jesus. He's our hope. Look off and see him. Just as Abraham going to a land that God would show him, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. You are looking for a homeland and this isn't it. It's the consummation of all things when God establishes and makes all things new. Amen? Don't grow weary, dear people. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, I'll be at the back, grab me. I don't care if I'm talking to someone, just grab my arm and say, I need to talk about it. Let's go talk about what God has done and what he said. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, speak to your people. And all of my foolishness and my own iniquities and my own life and shortcomings, God, go past all of that. May your spirit move in such a way among your people. Father, if there's hearts out here that are hard that have grown <clears throat> up walls to you, Father, may your spirit break them down today. May you speak into the dark places of our lives. May you make it known those things that sometimes we begin to worship and we begin to kind of put them above you, Father, may you just help us to break them down. May we be a people, Father, that remember that this is not our homeland, that we're looking off and we're looking to a time when Jesus will come and, Lord, may it be today. May Jesus come today. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Come, come. Until he comes, Lord, we're gonna be calling others to come, to come, to hear of the message of the good news of salvation to hear of the redemption that we have in Christ, that we would not grow weary. But to you, O God, be the glory and the praise forever and ever and ever. And all of God's people said, amen.